0: I'll take a wild guess. You have a dietary habit you want to change. That's not a huge leap for me to assume, because just about all of us struggle with eating what we want while also avoiding what we inherently know is just not working. This is The 5am Miracle, episode number 388. How to change your most difficult dietary habits with my wife, Tessa Sanders. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. Hey, welcome to the 5 a.m. Miracle Studios. I am live in the 5 A Miracle Studios with my wife, Tessa. Hello. How you doing?
1: Hi, everybody. It's good to be here.
0: You know, it's been a long time. You've not been on the show in over a year, maybe? Here I am. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And uh, we're working your mic technique today to have you stay right there so I can hear you.
1: Okay, can you hear me now?
0: We can hear you now. (laughs) Okay. That's good. Um, I know that I'm a little more experienced here, but, uh, you know, it's always good to have the back and forth.
1: It's weird talking with a microphone right in your face.
0: Most people do not like microphones in their face, and they get very gun-shy when it comes to that. So, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll work on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, But today's discussion, this is going to be a good one. Uh, We're talking about dietary habit changes, and this is one that has been, I don't know, the, the center of our kind of home life in the last few months and maybe the last few years even, where the two of us have really been focusing on, you know, addressing kind of longer systemic, you know, issues or just challenges or just personal goals as a way to say, like, here are some things we want to change. I think that uh, the pandemic definitely amped up the desire to make some of these changes. Um, I know that my story there definitely started with the pandemic causing me to be very lazy at first and eating constantly and then gaining the COVID-19, if you want to call it that, and needing to lose some weight and make some changes. So I know I've got a lot there that I've made changes on. Uh, But let's start here. I've got this uh, kind of broken down for the episode this week with about four different major categories that I want to discuss, that each of which pertains to some changes we've made, you and I, on ways to improve our diet, ways to improve our health. And so let's just start right off the top with the one that I think affects just about everyone, which is caffeine. Uh, I know I've had two coffees and a tea today, so I'm fully caffeinated. You are not.
1: None. None for me.
0: Which is, you know, for a lot of people, is a bizarre thing to even say. So let's let's go with that kind of angle first. In terms of why did you not, you know, consume caffeine any longer? What's that looked like for you over the last few years? Because it's been a a journey there.
1: The thing about giving up caffeine is that it is so almost countercultural. Coffee messaging is everywhere. I think it's Mm. for me at least it was fairly easy to give up soda. Um, you know, cause I know there's a little bit of caffeine and things like that, but that wasn't too hard to give up, but it was that morning coffee habit of waking up. First thing I think about is making a coffee, but sometime sort of near the beginning of January, late December last year, I just realized that this, my coffee drinking habits were just getting more and more and more. So it was the first thing that I, you know, thought about when I woke up in the morning and then. Later in the afternoon when I would sort of hit that afternoon slump, I would turn to coffee again. And I don't know if it's just because there wasn't a whole lot else going on during COVID or because the days all seemed to kind of go into the similar pattern. But I just saw myself like going back to that coffee pot over and over again, kind of like an addict. And Mm. I realized I don't want to be addicted if you want to call that word, that feels kind of strong or taboo. Well, I mean, but in
0: terms of addiction, I looked this up earlier. Uh, is that addiction basically means dependency? It basically means that this is something that you feel like you have to have to get through your day, which I think with caffeine almost defines everyone I know.
1: Yeah, well, and I think caffeine does that. Like it, it somehow like pings your brain to make mm-hmm. you think like the first thing I need in the morning is a cup of coffee when I saw that habit in myself, I just realized I don't want to be addicted to something. I don't want to be so bound to drinking coffee. Um, but I have tried in the past to like, just have a little and that didn't really work for me either because the more coffee I had, the more I wanted and you know, half a cup turned into a cup, turned into two cups, turned into maybe I should get a cup in the evening. And it was, you know, I think for me, caffeine really can spiral out of, um, what I think is like a normal or a good amount fairly quickly. So I decided to just cut it out um, completely and see what happened.
0: You did decaf for a while too.
1: Yeah. So when we had, when I was pregnant with Maisie, I was on decaf coffee for a while. Um, So I have done, I have done this before. So in some ways knowing like I've done this before um, was helpful, but that is a much different why. So when you are a pregnant woman or you're trying to get pregnant or you're breastfeeding or whatever, it's, common knowledge that you're not supposed to have caffeine. right? Um, and so I think that was easier in a way for me than it was this time around when it was really just me saying as a life value, almost, I don't want to be addicted to any kind of food or beverage. I, I don't want that in my life. And that is a lot more personal It's not quite as medical. I mean, I think it's so like if you tell somebody, oh, I'm pregnant, they're like, oh, well, you know, of course she's not drinking coffee. Right. But if you were to say like, I just I'm not drinking coffee right now, people look at you like you're crazy.
0: (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, that's a hard, I guess, like social stigma to just say I'm going to pass on the caffeine because it's just such a normal thing for so many people. Was there I mean, obviously, letting go of caffeine initially for being pregnant was a pretty obvious decision. Was there a specific like day where you said like today I'm just I'm off caffeine for that personal reason? Like something that caused you to make that choice and say tomorrow's gonna be different than today? Or was it more of a slower like release of saying I'm gonna make this sh- shift over time?
1: I was I think it was that I just I saw a blog post or consumed some content or something mm-hmm. that was like here are the reasons that caffeine isn't good for the body. And I know there's lots of stuff out there that would argue that a little bit is good and (laughs) and all sorts of stuff like that. But I think if we look into, like, I don't know, medical literature or whatever, often we see it's a good idea to give up caffeine. Um, And so I just decided to try that. Um, Of course, I did because I was drinking, and I wasn't drinking like a ton. I was probably having two cups a day maybe, which just, for me, felt like a lot. Um, So I did... Wean back over the course of a couple days, um, because I think that you need to do it that way without without you, doing you it that way. Yeah, you get like yeah. withdrawal symptoms or whatever. Um, so I did scale back a little bit, but I also went through this process of like we I'm I'm the only one in our house who uses the K cup thing, the Keurig mm-hmm. machine. So to actually like move that out of the kitchen and to get rid of all these millions of K cups that I have um, to give them to people who want them or whatever was important in my sort of changing my habit. You know, that was sort of like a mental and like physical shift where it's like, not only am I trying not to think about coffee so much, but like it's actually the coffee maker is not on the counter anymore. The K-cups are not in the pantry anymore. And in a way, it actually like physically made space for other things to go in there. Um, So for me, that sort of out with the old and in with the new was like emotional and mental, but also physical as well.
0: Well, I think it's really important when you make a, a change to have a visual reminder. In that sense, you walk into the kitchen and you, you don't see something you used to see. Um, I want to go back to the headache uh, aspect of the caffeine withdrawals. But I think the one aspect of, I guess, any change you would make, this goes back to the idea of a dependency or an addiction, is if you were to let go of something, like would something bad happen? Would there be a consequence from that decision? I think it's interesting just to from that perspective, you know, if you no longer consumed, you know, product X. What would happen tomorrow? Would you feel different? Would it be better or worse? I think it's interesting just that, that physical reaction to, I let go of caffeine, I get a headache. It's almost that reminder that this thing may not be good for me.
1: When I'm really sort of moving into this phase in my life where I really want my own body to sort of sustain itself. Mm. So through this process, I realized like not only am I seeing that caffeine isn't great for women, um, perhaps, but also that like I want my own body to create energy. So I know you talk about like bouncing out of bed with enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm drinking coffee, I don't bounce out of bed with enthusiasm. I pull myself out of bed toward the coffee machine to get my enthusiasm there. And so my hope was that over time, if I can sort of get coffee out of my life, then my body will regulate itself and be able to produce its own energy Um, Just from like being like more physically well.
0: Which is a great goal to shoot for. I mean, obviously, it's if you can have a a body that can sustain itself without the need for additives or drugs in the sense of caffeine, uh, that seems more of an ideal state. I think for most people, they still I I could tell you the back of my own brain. I'm like, but that still sounds like. A life I don't want, (laughs) but that's—I think—that's that whole idea of personal choice when it comes to you know identifying those areas of your life where you ask those questions, like what life do I want to to lead, and what is part of that, and what is not part of that, and being able to be honest with yourself about the version of you you want to to see more often.
1: Right, and also thinking about like who you share that with. So if I'm out with friends, or if I'm at work, and someone says do you want a cup of coffee, sometimes. Early on, I would just say, like, oh, no, like, I don't need a coffee right now or I don't want a coffee right now, as if it was, like, just, I'm just making a, a choice about this choice. one cup, yeah, um, which was true, but in the back of my head, thinking, like, I haven't had coffee in five days, so, like, I'm not <laughs> planning to have coffee, but that's a conversation that I was not necessarily, and I don't even know if I still am, but prepared to get into with everybody. Um, and so, for, you know, my close friends and family, I they knew what I was doing, um, but for other people it's like i don't want to get into a conversation about how they could never give up caffeine or why they wouldn't want to give up caffeine so i'm just gonna like kind of shrug it off and instead of making this huge declaration like i don't drink coffee (laughs) um to just sort of say like i'm not having one right now
0: well this goes back to a conversation we had before about you know certain things you give up like when i gave up meat and dairy years ago and went vegan there comes there's like a, a word for that like a social you know societal norm for saying when you don't consume certain products there's a name for it versus you've had this same before like well if I give out mushrooms like what does that mean like, right there's no name for that right it's just you just choose not to consume a certain thing but I think it's there's an interesting identity aspect to these choices and then right your idea that uh, do I have to explain myself to someone else to tell them what I'm doing and why yes
1: yeah, So and I largely like have viewed myself as a coffee drinker. Like I have been a coffee drinker. People get me Starbucks gift cards for my birthday and things like that. Like we've, it's been such a part of my life habit wise, but also like socially. And that was sort of like part of my identity. So when I was like putting my K cups away, I was like, <laughs> Ooh, do I really want to like let go of this? Um, but as I was thinking about it as like, um, dependent on a sort of substance like I don't I don't want to go there
0: which is a good segue to the next section which is alcohol and this is one thing I brought up recently in the podcast uh, when I mentioned that I'd gone 30 days without any alcohol and that number crept up to 60 just recently and then I had a margarita (laughs) because you know that's what I do but what's interesting about the alcohol thing for me this is a change that I made Which I think really stems in a very similar way to your choice of saying, you know, I'm going to give up caffeine because I I see myself having a little more each day. And I don't want that to be my norm. That was my thing with alcohol was that I had, you know, a glass of wine after dinner and then I had a second glass. That's not a big deal. But then I had a second glass or a third glass every single day over and over again, seven days a week. It became just like a part of my routine. It was, you know, I have coffee in the morning. I have wine at night. And that just became the norm for such a long time. And I had one of those days, kind of like you said, you read a blog post or, you know, had that inspirational moment where you're just like that epiphany where you realize like that's not the me that I want to be. And for me, that was the thing with alcohol. Now, I don't I wasn't dependent on it. It wasn't like if I didn't have it, I would be you know, suffering. It was just a, a bad habit that just was there. I just I stopped thinking or stopped making an intentional decision. It was mindless. And that sense that when I went to the grocery store, I would just buy another bottle of wine because that's what I always did. And I think that for me, the biggest shift was just identifying those key trigger moments when I would make that decision that if I stopped that one choice to buy the next bottle, well, it wouldn't be in my kitchen tomorrow night and then I wouldn't have it. And then it wouldn't. And when that that shift took place, all of a sudden it was just that's so simple. It's such an easy thing to do to say, I'm just not going to buy it. And when when I don't, it's not there. I don't consume it. And I just move on with my day. And it's been this refreshing couple of months to just simply say that's not a part of my life right now. It doesn't mean it won't be going forward. Like I said, at a margarita last night. Like occasionally it will be. But I don't want to define my daily existence as saying that this is part of my daily life. And and for me, that was the big shift.
1: Okay, so when you give up alcohol and, you know, To be clear, we're talking about, like, in the evening, going to the box of wine, getting a glass, sitting down on the couch, whatever. Right. Um, So if you're not doing that anymore and that's sort of been your daily habit, then do you find something to replace that with? Or do you—and I should know because you're here, but I I guess I don't really pay too much attention—
0: What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, that's a good point too. I mean, on that level that you were not really watching what I was doing to a certain degree. It was not. It wasn't in secret. It wasn't like I was you know trying to hide it. But it was just you know I was making a choice for myself every day. And then you're right to the idea that I then had those moments where I was like, well, what do I do now? You know, it's seven p.m. My daughter is going to bed. Uh, this is when I would normally have a glass of wine, and I'm not going to. So what do I do at that time? And initially, it was I'm going to have a tea. Or I might have a big glass of water or just eat more dinner. Like it was, I was trying to fill that void of consuming with more consuming. And that worked for about a week. But then after a while it was, well, that's not really kind of filling that void. Like I wanted it to, it just feels like I'm still missing that ritual. And so then I just changed to I'm just going to work in the evenings. I'm going to distract myself with other activities. So I'm going to pick some other task I want to get done, you know, stay really busy. And that was actually more effective for me, I think, than just trying to consume something to make an alternative transition. It was I'm just going to change what my evening looks like completely and have a different goal for that time. And then a couple of weeks into that. I basically forgot about the alcohol. It just was no longer part of my life. I didn't care, and I just moved on. And so for me, it was redefining my day and having a different goal, a different pr- purpose. And then all of a sudden, it, the old habit just seemed like a distant memory. And for me, that's what I was going for.
1: Well, and it's interesting when you know I was thinking like, was I even paying attention to what you were doing? Because I think with so many of these daily habits, like in your own mind, it can seem like such a huge shift. Right, but other people like I don't know how much coffee you've had today until you tell me, which kind of seems like a lot. But (laughs) probably uh, is, um, you know, this the audience that is is not really there. So you know, if I go to work and someone offers me a coffee and I say I'm not having one, nobody really cares about that. Like it might seem (laughs) like this huge thing to me, but it's not really that big of a deal. If you're not drinking a glass of wine by yourself at home in the evening, it's not like really a thing to anybody besides you.
0: You and I went on a date like two months ago, and I remember thinking at the time this was probably early on in my process of making a lot of changes. And we went out to this restaurant, and I thought to myself, "I want to tell people. I want to tell strangers at this restaurant about changes that I've made." Which seems at the time it seemed like a, like that's that's what I want to do. Looking back, it sounds kind of silly to say out loud, but I just wanted there to be some sort of acknowledgement outside of my own head that I made a change, which. I don't, not everything you do requires kind of that social engagement or that affirmation from someone else, but sometimes it does, and that's helpful in that process.
1: Yeah, especially if you can find the right people to sort of bring with you on the journey. Yes. I think if you can't, one way you can sort of get around that is to use some sort of a tracker or somewhere where you can look back at your own progress and sort of tell yourself, like, oh, I haven't drank in – however many days or whatever. Right. So I know you use some sort of a tracker. I think there's so, a lot out there for... There's a
0: ton of apps out there for just dietary yeah. habit you know, tracking. I use one specifically for alcohol um, just because I thought it was an interesting kind of community-based um, kind of access to what that would mean. Um, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that app that I actually use, which is a, a cool one because I feel like that really gave me a sense of... Not only have I made this decision for myself, but I'm actually keeping track of the data. I'm looking at it, I'm getting that reminder to stay focused on what my I said my goal was. Um, the app that I actually chose to use allowed you to actually record, like here's my reason for this change, and here's my reminder to stay with it. And this actual app also said, and here's how much money I used to spend per day on alcohol. Here's how much time I used to lose every day because I wasn't productive. And then all of a sudden, when I get that time back, I get that money back, those reinforcements kick in. And that keeps me on that path of saying, this is why I chose this. And I feel like, of all the things that could possibly happen in a dietary change, it is that temptation to go back to your old habits. And if you don't have that reinforcement of this is my why, this is why I chose to do this, the failure is so much easier or giving up back to your temptation is so much easier because you don't have that really stable rationale that is also a reminder to get back to it. And I feel like if you can have that in place, then when those moments show up where you're like, I kind of want to have that chocolate or whatever, then all of a sudden you're just like, no, I've got this. I can handle it.
1: Yeah. And one thing that I have done, not necessarily this time around with caffeine, but in other situations where I was maybe making more dietary changes at the same time, or really any kind of health-related change, I had like a little note card that said, like, here are the things that I want to be true of myself, like physically, my well-being. These are habits I want to be able to do, or physical ailments that I would like to see decrease over time. And so that sort of was my why statement. Um, and I could pull the note card out when I was like feeling a little shaky. Like, am I, you know, should I really be doing this this way, or is it worth it to go back to that? Like, very tangible why statement um, was really helpful. And then also, you know, not to just track. The number of days, which I think is what you were doing um, with the alcohol app, but also, um, and I heard this on another podcast, I'll have to remember what it is, but just, you know, every month or three months or however long to say, you know, here is how I'm doing physically here, mm. you know, check in with yourself about are the things on that note card coming true at all? Are there things that you're able to do now that you weren't able to do before? Are these changes paying off in any way? Because I think sometimes when you, especially if it's a physical, like I haven't been feeling well and I'm doing something to change that, you can forget kind of where you were a few oh, weeks yeah. or months ago. True. So to be able to say like, hmm, I'm no longer having that ailment. I'm sleeping better. My I have less pain wherever. That can be helpful to sort of track almost a symptom tracker, I guess, is what it would be.
0: Um, I mean, to a certain degree, I've been doing that not to that level of intensity, but I've had a fitness log that I've kept track of my exercise routines for the last 10 years. And in my log, I have a section for notes that I keep track of and I record ideas of things that I'm keeping track of. It could be ailments that I'm working towards. It could be, I mean, things like weight loss or body fat you're trying to lower or trying to work on a certain like specific health condition. Like I used to get headaches when it was bad season of allergies or whatever the thing is. I think it's really helpful to have a very definitive black and white tracker of here has been my progress in the last couple of weeks, months, years. So you can look back and see, when I had a good season, here's what was, what was happening in my life, and here's what helped me to get through that. Or here's a bad season, and I overcame it, and here's what I did. And I think that, for me, drawing from my own successes and failures in the past is more helpful than listening to someone else's story, you know, because you know yourself and right. you know what you've been doing as long as you have that data to, to go back on.
1: Right. And you can, you can see... Like how long it took for changes to occur. So, I think some of these, you know, dietary changes often are like a long game. Um, You're not going to feel better the day after you stop drinking coffee, or maybe even the week after, or maybe even the month after. But if you have done this before and tracked it and you can see, like, oh, you know, I started to feel differently about three months in, that I think can give you some, um, sort of assurance, like the path you're on is going to work. You just need to like continue to commit to it.
0: Well, to that same degree is like, let's say you're tracking weight loss. You can get a definitive number for that. You can see the scale going down over time, but you can't see some physical changes. You just you feel them and you know whether or not you feel better. But if you're not keeping track, like you mentioned here, it's like you don't have that really like a way to kind of classify that as some sort of progress.
1: Right. Well, one of the things that I noticed a lot with with giving up caffeine is that my anxiety level went down. So Mm. I didn't realize until I gave it up how much anxiety I was getting that was related to the coffee. I thought I was just having anxiety because there was a pandemic and like (laughs) stressful things were happening in my life. I don't know. But I realized when I stopped with the coffee, I was like, oh, I don't feel as anxious. But how much anxiety you feel is one of those examples of things that's hard to track. Like, how much i guess you could do on a scale of 10, one to 10 or something but um you know just being able to like write down or keep track of like after a month like i noticed significantly less anxiety in the morning after i stopped drinking so much coffee
0: this is what i also do with my weekly reviews so oftentimes what i'll do is i'll look back at the week and ask those questions like well what goals did i achieve this week what major projects were completed But I also have a section for like, how am I feeling this week? Like physically, like what's going on? I think that even at at the very least, you could reflect once a week to ask yourself, you know, how have I improved in the last week? What's going well? What's not going well that I could change this upcoming week? And that simple act of asking yourself, like, where am I now? Gives you the chance to reflect and make changes, which I feel like with dietary changes, you need more often than once a week. It's usually like every hour you're almost like checking in because that temptation to you know consume that product or to not consume that product is it's a constant pinging of your, of your brain most of the time because food and dietary choices are happening on a daily basis.
1: Right, and multiple times a day. I mean, Many I think times, that's, every hour. Right, that's one of the reasons why these big dietary changes. And maybe alcohol and, and caffeine aren't them, um, but you know when you're making a big change like perhaps going vegan, it's like every single meal now looks different than it did yes. before, um, and that that change in habit can be really mentally taxing, to be able to say okay, you know I'm not having dairy anymore. What am I going to eat for breakfast instead of my cereal? without dairy or, or what I mean I know there's lots of milk alternatives now but back when but you if, were doing even it there, that there one.
0: weren't well there, there were but they were weren't quite as prevalent as they are today but I think that simple example of you know I'm just used to having my you know cow's milk with my, my bowl of cereal to change and redefine what a bowl of cereal looks like to you that does not include that dairy product anymore like there is a mental shift and there's also this kind of like identity crisis. There's this like, well, what does it look like now? Will I feel the same if I have this new product? Is the alternative better or worse? And I think that you have to go through a period of experimentation and trial and error, which which most people don't (laughs) enjoy. Right. It's not fun necessarily. I, I tend to find those those kind of experiences kind of really enlightening because I get to expose myself to new information and try new things but you really have to approach it with that sense of like, I get to try this new stuff now, not like I'm being tortured and forced right. into this new life. Because if that's the case, if someone told you to change, good luck, because it's going to be much harder to make that that shift over time, unless you are really bought in on the rationale behind it. And I feel like if a doctor says like, you know, stop eating meat because you have a heart attack. That's one way to get motivated to make a change. But if you are like, personally bought into it because you've done the homework and you've really like researched it and made a choice on your own, then all of a sudden the path looks very different in the how of getting from point A to point B. And I, I feel like it changes a lot.
1: But I think it's still hard. So let, you know, I think the meat well, the meat is a good one. So you, you know, you decide, okay, I'm not going to have a hamburger. I'm going to have some sort of vegetarian alternative
0: to like that. Like a fake meat product.
1: Right. But like going to the store and suddenly being in that section of the grocery store instead of the meat section <laughs> is like weird if you've never been there before. And then to, all those hippies are you And, know, and then out you the try meat, something yeah. and you get it home and you're like, "Well, this is awful." And now I have like six of them you know and i don't want to eat them and then you got to go back to the store and try some i mean i think that like working out those kinks that way is what to me takes just like adds more stress to the initial part of the change once i figure it out and like oh i found these veggie burgers and they are delicious <laughs> right. and we i mean even people who eat meat like them then i feel like my new habit is then established but that time between giving up the old habit working out all the kinks and then finding something else that I can just sort of do without thinking about a whole lot, that inter intermediary section to me is exhausting. So my advice to people who are making a big change like that is allow yourself some more time to rest, allow Mm -hmm. yourself some, you know, to pull back from some other things because just making especially with meals, making a decision about what you're going to put into your body to me, even if I have a really compelling why is still exhausting.
0: Well, on that same kind of line of thinking here, one of the ways that I have made big changes in the past is I view it as a project. I mean, this is a you know a goal achieving podcast. I tend to view my life in terms of you know what's the next big thing I'm working on, and whenever I have anything that's this significant, like I'm going to make a big dietary change. There is a project that I'm organizing and looking at the steps for and outlining. You know, here's what I'm going to do next, and I monitor that not just like with an app, but I have a breakdown. I used to use Evernote for this. I'm now with a different program called Devonthink. But I'm outlining the specifics behind what this thing looks like. What? Where am I now? Where am I going? What are all the individual steps to get there so that I can track it like any other project. And so it could be mentally taxing, it could be draining, but if you are going to set aside time in your life to make a big change, then that's what your focus is going to be. I think that to that degree, you want to give up some other stuff, give yourself the flexibility of space and time so you can rest, but also so you can work through these steps piece by piece uh, to get you there with enough time to do the homework, to read the books, listen to the podcasts, uh, do those you know, the testing at the grocery store to buy different products, to fail, to hate something you bought, try again. All of that is just it's part of the process. And to think that, you know, it's a Friday afternoon and by Monday I'll be A-OK on the right. new plan is just not realistic. Like these are significant changes most of the time. They're gonna require a lot more kind of upfront effort to say if this is gonna work then I need to put in the energy to make sure it does.
1: Right. And I think it's taking a step back a little bit. If you're the spouse of someone who's trying something like that or a family mm-hmm. member, it's it can be hard to see your loved one go through that like up and down and I don't have a plan and I want it to be perfect, but I know it's not and I have to revisit. I mean, all that um, is emotional and can be fun, but also stressful. Um, and so I think... You know, we've both had experiences where we've tried something new and shared it with somebody who didn't like seem supportive in that moment at all.
0: Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: So what advice do you have for people who are like alongside somebody who are going through a big shift, either from your own experiences or from Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. being my person or whatever?
0: Well, to that degree, I would take a moment here and give a big thank you to Tessa, because this has been That's this n- is not what
1: I was fishing for.
0: <laughs> you were, you were going to get a compliment either way, because to answer that question, as far as like, you know, who is your person? Like you are my person. And so whenever I have a new idea, which I get these things all the time and I'll run to you in the middle of the workday, like, oh, my gosh, I have this thing I want to try. When, when I've had those, when it comes to diet, the first response I get from you is not ridicule. It's not negativity. It's not shooting down the idea, which I think could definitely happen with a lot of people, especially if, let's say, like your partner, your spouse, your best friend. If those people have like they're set in their ways and they have a certain way of living and you come to them with an idea that counters their vision for themselves, then they're going to shoot down your idea because they don't want that change for themselves. Well, which is totally different than someone just saying, oh, tell me more. I'm curious about what you're working on.
1: Well, and often when we've made these changes, and I think you specifically, you seem to make changes like this all the time, right. but you'll, re- you'll become a real expert on whatever change you're trying to make. So you'll read all the books that are there, mm-hmm. that are out there about it, or you'll listen to podcasts or find all this content and consume it. And then you use that information to make a strategy for how you're going to change. Well, the person in the next room, your spouse or whoever, hasn't been with you on that journey. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that, like, I'm not where you are with this. I can't be where you are with this. So the first reaction might be one of, like, can you even do that? Can you even live, (laughs) you know, without caffeine or without alcohol or sugar or meat or milk or whatever? Like, can you even do that? So I get where people are coming from when their first response is, um, Negative or defensive or something like that, um but I think in general, you know really healthy relationships are are people who can who come at a new shift with curiosity and open mindedness um and that sort of thing
0: which I think has been a real staple for us for the last i don't know. 15 years of our marriage that we're not married that long, but you know, these I've known you for 20 plus years. So like, since I've known you, like you have been my person for those things. So that when we have a, a curiosity with something we want to try, like we have this kind of, I guess a sense as a couple that like, we are open to that and we are looking for opportunities to expand our mind, expand our possibilities and see what else is out there. And I feel like if that's your approach, Then, when someone comes to you with a new dietary change or a new way of living, that your first response could be, "Cool, let's see what happens." Like, I want to try that and know how that affects me, as opposed to saying, "You know, I I made that choice ten years ago. That's just who I am. You know, mission accomplished." Like, my mission is not accomplished. Like, I'm too young to have made those choices that definitively and to not shift. So I think that that aspect of having people around you who get you and are willing to work with you through those changes uh, is really helpful if you have that person around. If you don't and you're on your own, which I will also say to that point, most of these things that I do, I feel like I am alone to that degree that like I'm putting the food in my body. It's it's a it's a me decision every single day. So regardless of whether you have someone there or not, at the end of the day, it is you making that choice or not about what to do with the food or alcohol or whatever. It It is your body and your decision. And so to that degree, you have to be on board with your own decision and be disciplined enough to stick with your own plan.
1: Yeah. And I think there are a lot of, you know things you could tap into in terms of social media, where there are are other people that you might not even know who are on a similar journey or who have been on a similar journey. I think that's something
0: well, like a Facebook new-ish. group, for example, like I, I did this a lot recently where I would find other people who are at the same stage that I'm at making those kinds of choices. And then all of a sudden I feel like there's a community, even temporarily, even with a stranger I see on a Facebook group that all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, it's not just me. Like, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. There is somebody else out there doing this right now with me. I think that that can be really powerful, too.
1: And acknowledging when it's time to to go into those types of groups and when it's time to be like, you know what? Like, now this group is getting overly negative for me or this group is all beginners and I need some more advanced work, something. Yeah, something more advanced or whatever.
0: So we discussed caffeine. We discussed alcohol. This next section I want to get into has to do with this perception around what it means to make these changes. And I, specifically having to do with a streak or having to say, you know, because I've made this choice, here's day one, here I'm on day 35 or 150, and I've been perfect in this attempt to make this change. I think the one thing that I have seen, let's use the alcohol thing as an example, you know, in the last 60 days, I've actually drank twice, but I don't view myself as having been kind of off the wagon or failed in my attempt because my initial goal was not to be perfect. The initial goal was not to say, I will never have this. It was, I'm going to change my life and make a significant difference in the way that I live. But to hold this idea of perfectionism as the ideal, I think negates reality and the the human nature to say that there's going to be slip ups, there's going to be off days. You know, I've been a vegan for 10 years, but I've had dairy in some of my food, whether it's on accident or not. And it doesn't mean that I'm not a vegan anymore. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, I fell off the wagon. The whole project is done because I, I can't live in a world where that bar is that high to make these kind of changes.
1: Well, and for us, some of the reasons that we embarked to on this, like, dietary change journey was to seek more balance in life. Yes. So I want to take it from like coffee all the time or alcohol every day to something that's a bit more balanced. And so to say that the only option is like absolutely no caffeine or absolutely no alcohol or I'm never going to eat out because maybe, you know, some sauce might have some dairy in it, that's not a balanced life either. So I think, you know, especially if you're not really in a health. You know, a dire health situation or a medically required dietary change, you know, to find some balance in there somewhere um, is healthy.
0: And there may be scenarios where someone like, you know, cannot have alcohol at all because it's just too risky or too dangerous to have it. That's a different scenario. I think most people fall into the camp of, you know, if I hold myself to this, like I have to hit the streak every single day or the whole thing is done, then I think that what you find yourself in is that just it's all or nothing, And which means that I'm either drinking alcohol, you know, every single day or I am totally off and real life isn't like that. And I think that if you find that it's not working for you to hold that pedestal that high, then don't have the pedestal that high. Don't put yourself in that camp where you feel like a failure. If you have a small slip up, it's so much more healthy and so much more successful long term to give yourself some grace, to have some margin built into your plan. And then all of a sudden, it just feels like you can still be yourself and you can still make these positive changes and see that growth over time, which is all we're trying to get. No one's going to come to you and say, I can't believe you had a little bit of dairy milk in that food last night. Like that's, no one's doing that. No one cares about my choices that much. And so it's really that question of what end goal do you want to see and what's a reasonable path to get there?
1: Right. And I think for us, for both of us. It's like my long-term life, do I envision myself drinking coffee every now and then? Sure. Do I envision, you know, are you going to have a drink here and there? Sure. Um, but I think that these experiences have helped me know that I'm going to be more aware in the future. So I'm going right. to see myself slipping back into some healthy unhealthy habits before they get sort of too far down. In, well, the, yeah,
0: if the awareness piece picks up, then you can catch yourself before it becomes too extreme again. You know, it's probably unlikely that I'll find myself being as bad off as I was in certain areas because I, I know too much now. Right. I, I can see the warning signs coming sooner and then pivot back to a healthier pattern a lot faster. And for me, that's really what the goal is, is that kind of hyper awareness of your own tendencies. You can see the triggers and you can prevent those. And then all of a sudden, you know, staying the course, whatever goals you happen you have to have. It's so much easier to then just be on that course because you know how to stay on it.
1: Right. And I think any dietary changes help you understand your body a little bit better. So now, yeah. you know, if I were to have a cup, of, a cup of coffee right now, I don't think my body would appreciate it.
0: Well, I was saying this earlier, actually. There's a, a very a stark reality in our bodies that when we haven't had something and then you have it for the first time in a while. It's shocking. It's like, oh my gosh, I just had like a ton of sugar. I just had this, like, you know, six beers this one evening. Like, you can feel that so much more strongly than if you had just been doing it all the time. And that kind of smack in the face that you get from that change, I think is a great reminder that, like, I made this choice for this reason and I don't want to feel like this. Or I don't want that extreme nature of, you know, I had a ton of coffee and now I'm too buzzed and I, I hate that feeling. Like, it, when you have those. Those reminders, like, then take the reminder and and act upon it.
1: And I think those things are our bodies telling us, like, that substance isn't good for you. Right. Like, when I drink, you know, when I've gone a really long time without having soda, and then I have soda out at a restaurant or something, it feels bad. Like, I'm like, oh, it's too sugary, and it's, like, too, like, biting, and I think...
0: Well, to that degree, just a couple days ago, I had some candy that uh, my mother brought Maisie. So grandma brought some sugar for our daughter, and I tried some of it, and I could not believe how much sugar was in this candy. And it just reminded me, like, I haven't had this in such a long time. I forgot what the feeling was. And it's, it's addictive. It's super intense. It's super good. But also... Not the kind of good that I was like in my head envisioning it would be.
1: Especially the first time. I think if you, yeah. if, you start, if you haven't been drinking soda and then you start drinking it every day or you haven't been eating certain kinds of candies and then you start eating it every day over time, you're like, oh, I really do like this. I want more. But that first bite, I think your body tells you like, mm, like whoa, this is not the kind of stuff you're you were used to for a reason.
0: So let's wrap this up with a few final strategies. I feel like there's a lot that we've said. We've mentioned probably a couple dozen different smaller ideas here. What would you say is a good takeaway for someone who says, "You know what? Like, yes, I've got some changes I want to make. Like, wh- where do I begin today?"
1: First thing I think is you need to you need to get knowledgeable in whatever you're doing, mm. especially with dietary changes. And the ones we've listed here aren't really gonna. You know, they're not dangerous or anything, but there are some other more intense dietary changes. And I think you really need to know what you're doing before you go in.
0: Well, especially if you're on medication or you have a, you know, a doctor working with you, you don't want to make any choices that will kind of upend your current like necessity for those, those things.
1: Or if you're having a substance, caffeine or alcohol would be good examples, or sugar or whatever, a lot, you can't just go cold turkey. So you need to get knowledgeable about how do I wean off of this in a healthy and safe way? Otherwise, you're going to start off your journey with a really bad experience
0: And if day one is that painful because you went cold turkey, like the odds of success just are depleted. Like this is I've said this for years on the show about, you know, if you're going to do 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, don't like that's too early for most people and it's going to hurt too bad. And then you're going to be mad at me for telling you, you to bed at 5 a.m. So to the same degree, it's like if you want to, if you're the kind of person who is more successful with a, a big change that fast, then you know yourself you can do it. But most people, that's just never true. So the baby steps are going to be so important. The smaller changes over time, you can track those, you can get momentum built up from those, and then you can see yourself improving. Uh, no one's going to say you have to be in a certain place in a certain amount of time. You get to decide what this looks like. So you map out your journey and and see how you can make progress and, and, and map out those daily successes and then be reinforced by those.
1: The other thing I'd add is you don't have to explain your decisions or your choices to people who don't want to hear it. Right. Um, so. You know There may be people in your life who are really authentically curious about the changes that you are planning to make. that is so
0: rare. It is. I mean, to that degree, I'll, I'll bring this up as a final point about veganism, which is that when I went vegan, it was a very like personal choice for me. It was a very intense choice. It changed everything about how I eat every single day for more than a decade now. And I was so convinced that like people are going to have questions. They're going to ask me about this. I'll have to explain my rationale every day about being vegan. It's just not true. No one actually cares like they really, really don't. And so if you think that you're going to have to re-explain yourself that often, pretty good chance it's just not true. So it really is a personal journey. And there's just this a need for you to understand what you want to do. And it really can stop there.
1: And I think if you want to bring in a community or you want to bring some people on the journey with you, select them wisely.
0: Yes, be very, very cautious and uh, and find your Tessa. That's that's the the, the goal here. Uh, that's a tough one because, you know, she's, she's rare. She's a goodie, though. All right. On that note, Tessa, thank you for being here today. This has been great.
1: So fun. Thanks for having me.
0: And for that action step this week, choose just one dietary habit you want to change and start today. Learn more about it analyze it find out what actually triggers your behavior and work to change just that habits take time so don't rush this process but start today choose one specific habit and begin jeffsanders.com slash 388 is the show notes page this week i'll have links there for the things discussed this week during the interview and that's all i've got this week here on the 5am miracle podcast until next time you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwan and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwan, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just a cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen Podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.